Hello, Strange Stories here again, Series 5, Episode 10. Calling this one, Bobby Newlove, A Paranormal Problem of the Pipes. Well, this story is set in Nelson, a town in Lancashire in England, with a long history. It developed as a mill town in the 18th century, but in the post-industrialization, the town has struggled to find an identity and has become an area of high unemployment and a left-wing stronghold. The area is known for the Pendle Witch Trials in the 17th century and for being the place that Jelly Babies and Victory V Sweets were first manufactured. A resident of Nelson called Herbert Hatch wrote to Drayton Thomas, who was a member of the SPR, the Society of Psychological Research, on March the 11th, 1935. And this led to one of the SPR's most meticulously investigated cases regarding a boy who was buried at St Paul's Churchyard at Nelson in 1932. The boy was called Bobby Newlove and he was born in 1922 and Herbert Hatch was Bobby's step-grandfather. The story being that Bobby's mother, Gwendolyn, moved into her mother and stepfather's house which was Thornton House, 58 Hibson Road, Nelson, Lancashire, in 1922, shortly after Bobby was born. Bobby had never known his birth father, and Herbert became to be a father figure to Bobby. Bobby was an intelligent and affectionate child, and when he suddenly died from diphtheria after a throat infection on the 12th of August 1932, his family were devastated. Diphtheria was a bacterial infection that regularly took lives and outbreaks before a vaccine was developed in the UK in 1942. Diphtheria causes the throat to swell, gives breathing difficulties and can affect the heart. There was a serious outbreak of the disease in Lancashire during 1932. Herbert Hatch was a science teacher. He was said to be a down-to-earth character who had never given any thought to spiritualism or the paranormal. After Bobby's death, Hatch started to research the subject of life after death and he had written to the Reverend Charles Drayton Thomas at the Society of Psychological Research who had recently written a book called Life Beyond Death. Drayton Thomas, who was a long-standing member of the SPR, worked closely with a medium, Gladys Osborne Leonard. He had over 500 sittings with her, and her work featured in his book, Life Beyond Death, which was first published in 1928. I'd just say that Gladys Osborne Leonard was a bit of a, a poster girl for the SPR at the time, as a medium, and there was many articles about her in the journals and proceedings. Anyway, going back to Drayton Thomas's book, this was founded upon personal experiences during 11 years of study with a gifted sensitive, Mrs. Osborne Leonard. The messages were received while Mrs. Leonard was in a trance and related to evidence which satisfied Mr. Drayton Thomas that he had conversations with his father and his sister Etta. His father was a Christian minister who passed on 
1903 and his sister died in 1920. Hatch was asking Drayton Thomas, who was a stranger to him and lived 200 miles away, if it was possible for him to try to contact Bobby Newlove through a medium. Thomas decided to do a proxy sitting with Mrs Leonard to try to make contact, although he did not hold out much hope for it being successful. And if they did manage to get through to the boy's spirit, the boy would be too young to make any successful communication. Mrs Gladys Leonard, she was born on the 28th of May 1882 and she died on the 19th of March 1968. She was a trance medium, that is a medium who goes into a trance and spirits speak through her. She had worked with the SPR and worked with Oliver Lodge, who had been president of the society. Leonard had been an actress and singer until she suffered also from a diphtheria infection which had damaged her voice. Leonard was thought to be a, a sensitive and had visions which caused her to take an interest in mediumship. Gladys was an impressive figure. She was tall, she was striking looking and had a strong personality. Gladys Leonard was highly thought of by those at the SPR who knew her and there was in fact a Leonard committee set up in 1918 which organised sittings for her booked through the SPR when an independent transcriber took notes of the sittings. These notes were normally taken by Mrs Salter uh, and a Miss Radcliffe Hall, who was the writer, famous for the book The Well of Loneliness, and Lady Trowbridge, the sculptor, and she was the partner of Radcliffe Hall. Those attending the sittings were usually trying to contact loved ones lost in the Great War. Some of their seances were startlingly accurate to the extent that private detectives were employed to discover whether Leonard could have acquired her information in some other way. But they could not discover how the information was obtained. Telepathy was given as an explanation of Leonard's phenomena. Proxy seance sittings were devised to try to eliminate telepathy as an explanation of the messages received by Leonard. Proxy sittings were when someone unknown to the person that was being contacted would be with the medium giving some basic information. So a middle person if you like. Drayton Thomas thought that the inquiry from Herbert Hatch would provide the opportunity to eliminate the suggestions that telepathy caused the messages given in the seances with Gladys Leonard. Since he had never met Mr Hatch, who lived 200 miles distant and, of course, had never known Bobby Newlove, any information that Drayton Thomas could learn from a seance with Leonard could not, therefore, have come from telepathy. Without giving any advanced information to Gladys Leonard about who, even the name of the person he wanted to contact, Drayton Thomas took Mr Hatch's letter to the next seance he had with Gladys on the 4th of November 1932 just a few weeks after Bobby had died. Drayton Thomas told Gladys that he had a very earnest request for some news of a little boy, Bobby Truelove. He gave the surname wrongly. It should have been New Love, and it wasn't corrected correctly until the beginning of the third sitting. The letter that Drayton Thomas gave Gladys 
had been folded in such a way that no information could be ascertained by glancing at it. Added to this, Drayton Thomas said that he carefully watched during the first few minutes it was in the medium's hands and observed that her eyes did not open. Without the letter being read, the spirit guard speaking through Gladys, Leonard, somebody called Fedder, claimed that Bobby had died from something to do with his glands and that he lived in a medium-sized town with a river's edge and waterside factories which could apply to Nelson, albeit many other towns. There would be 11 sittings trying to contact Bobby. Bobby. Drayton Thomas would be the proxy sitter and he would communicate with Herbert Hatch through the post, which uh, the post then was much more rapid compared to the present day. Gladys Leonard's spirit guide control was called Fedder, who was supposed to have been married to Gladys's grandfather and was of Indian descent. And Fedder was not considered well-spoken, and she spoke in a rather strange voice. During the first couple of seances, the information was generally vague and unconvincing, and could apply to almost any boy of Bobby's age. For example, the medium asked if he was fond of rabbits. Herbert Hatch sent her a letter of reply, Yes, Robbie was frequently visited Mr. Burroughs' garden, who was a neighbour, and he was interested in the rabbits kept by a neighbour close by. At that time in the area, rabbits would have been popular pet and would be kept for food. And what child wouldn't be interested in rabbits? Fedder said that she thought the boy had dark hair. Herbert Hatch said no, he had fair hair. However, some information was considered accurate. It was during the second sitting that the first reference was made to pipes, or the problem of the pipes. There would be a number of references to the pipes over the 11 sittings. On the third sitting, on the 2nd of December, there seemed to be some extraordinary developments. The spirit guide Fedder said to the spirit of the spirit of Bobby was supposedly communicating with and she was show, he was showing him her something. Fedder said, what are you showing me? Fedder talked of a photograph of, body, of Bobby in a rather peculiar position. She said, I see him full-faced, or nearly full-faced, but with something in front of him, as if it's a board or something in front of him. It's as if he's been photographed sitting at the back of something, like the back of a board or a tray or something. In this position, he seems to be leaning forward a bit towards the tray or board or whatever it is. It's uncertain how this image was conveyed to Fedder. Was she given a visual impression of this particular photograph or... Did she receive Bobby's generalised impression of his various attitudes whilst wearing fancy dress? Drayton Thomas's report did not make this clear. Fedder then said, I think this must be some kind of joke, something that he was fond of using or wearing on his head. It looks like a cap, but it's got no peak to it. He used to put it on his head. I think he liked it. You'd better say something was new or... It was something to wear on his head, and he was pleased at having it. It was as if he thought it was important to put this thing on his head. In a later seance, it was made clear that there was a heart shape on the cap. Then Fedder talked about an injury to Bobby's nose. She said his nose hurts. He, uh, he said that his hand is rubbing his nose. 
fed a saying that he's making me feel as if something had hurt his nose on the side towards the end of his earthly life. But he doesn't think that it causes passing or anything of that kind. Herbert Hatch wrote back after being informed of the seance to say, yes, he had a photograph of Bobby in fancy dress. He's a jack of hearts with boards back and front like a sandwich man. And on his head is a crown, as in the pack of cards. It's wrong to say he was sitting or crouching. He was standing erect. Herbert said this was the last photograph of Bobby Newlove. And Herbert continued that Bobby was learning to box. And on his last lesson, his instructor, usually very gentle with him, gave him a blow on the nose which brought tears to his eyes. He complained afterwards that it hurt when he washed. Bobby's diary entry had written on June the 14th, The instructor burst my nose. On the fourth session, Herbert Hatch provided Drayton Thomas some questions to be answered by the spirit guide. One of these was to ask Bobby what he liked to do in the attic of the house. Federer appeared to see Bobby acting out and correctly told that he was putting out something from the wall a thick string or rope, or it was putting as far as possible before letting it go back into its original position. This, explained Mr Hatch, was a muscle strengthening device that was attached to the wall, and the exercise involved drawing out the rope which lifted a weight, and Bobby used the device often. Fed also correctly identified other pastimes of Bobby's, including his boxing. Another interesting feature of the sitting was Bobby's talking of a favourite walk which was beyond the churchyard where he was now buried and along a path to a quarry where there were pools of water. This was a walk that Bobby was forbidden by his mother to take as it was considered dangerous given the steep sides of the slope. Herbert was able to send Drayton Thomas a sketch map of this walk which was later confirmed as a walk towards the nearby hamlet of Catlow. Fedor also talked of something Bobby would play with at the dinner table, twisting it or winding it. She said it wasn't a watch, and she said it's been moved since his death. Hubbard identified the item as a salt sifter that he, uh, the Bobby won at Morecambe. It was kept at the corner of the shelf, and he used to twist the cork at the bottom and roll it along the dinner table. It's now been moved, but not in a drawer. It's glazed earthenware, shaped like a dog, round, smooth and polished. The following questions were asked of Fedder to ask the spirit of Bobby Newlove. Number one. What did Bobby keep in the bathroom cupboard? The answer, correctly, was a boat. Number two. Where did he like to go with his mummy last winter in the evenings? And he was looking forward to doing it again this winter. And the answer to this was either the cinema or ice skating rink. And number three, what did he do in the attic beside boxing or exercising his muscles? And the answer to that was playing with his train set. However, it's well to mention here that there were many other things mentioned by Fedder that did not seem to have any connection to Bobby it could be suggested that she was fishing for information. A puzzle for Drayton Thomas was that Fedder had correctly told the sitters that Bobby had died from an infection of the throat. But Fedder was also conversing with a dead spirit of Drayton Thomas's sister, Etta, who had passed 12 years previously, 
and she was telling the cause of death was something other than diphtheria. Something else had weakened Bobby's health, and this became known as the problem of the pipes. Herbert had explained by letter that Bobby's illness started with tonsillitis and quinsy. This was the period just before antibiotics became available. It was thought that Bobby's body was weakened by an infection and eventually this caused his heart to fail. It was later thought that Bobby often played during the weeks preceding his death at a place known as the Heights at Catlow Quarry. Infection from water at the site may have caused a condition of blood which weakened the boy's system before the oncoming diphtheria infection. This topic came up again on the 5th session on the 2nd of December when it was revealed that the problem of the pipes had something to do with Bobby's death. This had occurred nine weeks before his passing and was very significant to do with his failing health. When Drayton Thomas tried to get some clarification, he was just told, pipes. Herbert Hatch had no answer to what he could mean, pipes, meant nothing to him or other members of Bobby Newlove's family. Although Fedder had referred to them in several sittings, it did not seem to refer to his home or anywhere he went to regularly. Fedder gave more information in the fifth seance, saying that she had the impression that it was a place where something poisonous entered his system and infected him. She thought it was a place where cattle were present, and she could see what she described as barns and stables and straw. There was a side of a building partly open, giving part views of the surrounding countryside, although other buildings blocked any clear views. And she could hear water as if it was trickling into a gutter or a drain. Fedor also said that Bobby did not go to this place by himself. There was another boy who seemed to be the reason for Bobby going. And there were other general things talked about which could have referred to Bobby. 16th of February 1933 was the sixth sitting. Drayton Thomas was trying to give further information, trying to get further information as to the location of the pipes. The name Bentley came up and the town was described as not being a pretty town but there's a description of crossroads, a dark bridge and trams going up a hill. When Drayton Thomas contacted Herbert Hatch with this information, he said there was a Bentley Street near his home and adjoining the school where Bobby had attended. However, the importance of pipes is still a mystery to both him and his, the rest of the family. On the seventh sitting, Fedder claimed that Bobby was artistic, as was his mother. Herbert Hatch said, no, this was false. Bobby had no idea of perspective and showed little artistic talent. When Drayton Thomas visited the house a few months later, he was shown some of Bobby's artistic work, Bobby's artistic work, and he thought they were crude and scarcely equal to the average for boys of his age. Fedder then went on to describe an object that Bobby liked. It was the description of a box of Meccano, which would have appealed to almost all boys, and if he didn't own his own set, surely Bobby's friends would have had a set of Meccano. As it happened, Herbert confirmed that Bobby had received a Christmas present of a Meccano construction set. On the eighth sitting, there did not seem to be much progress other than this spirit of Etta predicting that the pipes would be discovered. On the ninth sitting, which was the 
April the 10th, 1933, Fed was asking about a kind of chemist shop where there were bottles. Well, not a chemist shop, but a place with bottles and weighing things and that kind of thing. Fed had talked of a clean white place, all nice and clean and white, with clean jars and bottles and measuring things that Bobby went to for some reason. Herbert Hatch thought about it, and he thought, yeah, this referred to the laboratory that in the town where he regularly went to with Bobby. Drayton Thomas decided that he needed to visit the town of Nelson to study the area and try to make sense of what Fed had been telling him during the seances. Before he visited Nelson, there was a tenth seance on the 13th of May, 1933. During the sitting, Fedder, the spirit guide, had the vision of a church and a churchyard and described what could be seen from the churchyard. Drayton Thomas, on a later visiting Bobby's grave, recognised the area from Fedder's description. Fedder also gave directions from the graveyard to reach the pipes that had been talked about in previous sessions. Fedder also correctly described the relationship that Bobby had with his mother. They were chums, and she treated him as an adult. Drayton Thomas asked Fedder for instructions of getting to the pipes, starting from the railway station, what would be the directions. Fedder gave the instructions, and with this information, Drayton Thomas would follow the described route when he visited Nelson and met with Bobby Newlove's family. And around this time, Herbert Hatch had found Bobby's diary, when trying to establish what Bobby had been doing nine weeks before his death. He discovered on the 15th of June, almost nine weeks before his death, there was an entry written by Bobby saying, Joined Gang. It was discovered that this gang was a group of adventurous boys all around Bobby's age, who played at a local landmark called Marston Heights. Bobby and his friends played at this place during the early summer before he was ill. It was a site called the Delph, next to the Catlow Stone Quarry. The boys would play at the site of the ruined hut in the Delph, which was the name now for the unused and overgrown quarry also. There were pipes that stuck out of the cliffs and the ground in the area. When consulting the map, Drayton Thomas realised that Marston Heights seemed to be the directions that his instructions took him that were given to him during the last seance. The 11th and final seance was on June the 2nd, 1933. Fedder talked of a yellow stool and a decorated Christmas tree that Bobby was communicating to her, and both these being later confirmed by Herbert, amongst other topics that Fedder seemed to be correct about. Fedder then talked of a place starting with a letter C. It sounded like Catanau, or Castelnau. Herbert confirmed this was a small hamlet nearby called Catlow where there was a stone quarry. So Catlow. Catlow, at Catlow, there was a, brown, a bronze age burial site. It was found in March 1854, when earthenware urns were met a little below the surface, when they were cleaning the earth for a flagstone rock quarry. The urns contained contained calcined bones, pieces of charcoal and soft dark earth. Most of the bones were supposedly human, but they were mixed with others belonging to horse and other animals. 
Only one of the urns survived due to the rough handling by the quarry workers at Catlow, who damaged them with their picks. The burial mound was destroyed by the quarry workings. Weapons and other urns dating from the Middle Bronze Age were later dug up in the area. Catlow was thought to be the crossing point of tracks which served as a trade route between the Lancashire coast and the Yorkshire coast. Herbert said in a letter replying to Drayton Thomas that Bobby and him went to Catlow the day he was taken ill. It was the last occasion when he left the house. One of the last entries in Bobby's diary was on August the 7th. It read, went to Catlow Bottoms, sore throat, went to bed. On July the 1st, accompanied by Bobby's family, Drayton Thomas set out to find uh, where the directions actually led. And Drayton Thomas wrote a report for the Society of Psychological Research in which he wrote, On July the 1st, 1936, I visited the Heights in company with a family. First we inspected the lower portions of the ground, then explored the disused and overgrown quarry, locally termed the Delph. On leaving this, I noticed the shed, somewhat higher up the hill and near the road which bounds the area on its topmost side. On nearing this shed, the ground showed marks of animals and hay was visible in the shed. We therefore examined the shed and found that one end of it was used as a stable and the other end had stores of hay and straw for bedding. While we stood there, a woman approached. I made some remark about the fine view. She responded suitably, and we entered into conversation. With a puzzle of the pipe still revolving in my mind, I inquired whether she knew if any children came to play in the quarry. She replied that they did, and that they sometimes made mischief, and amongst other misdeeds, they had broken the pipes. The mention of pipes in connection with this spot, at which Bobby's description had led us to, made us think that we were on the right track. Further inquiries elicited the information that there was a spring partway down the hill where water issued from a pipe. She added that now they had town water laid on so that they were not dependent on the pipe anymore. I gathered this alteration had been made some years before. We then walked down the slope to see the spring. Water issued from the hillside by the side of a displaced pipe an iron pipe several feet in length. Past this pipe, the water trickled down the slope into a small channel of its own making. But for Drayton Thomas, the problem remained. The Bobby had talked about pipes, not a single pipe. So what had the pipe got to do with Bobby's death? A letter from Herbert Hatch, dated September the 27th, 1936, said, Since your last visit last June, I've been to the Heights several times and on one occasion I came across water running from another pipe in quite another direction from the first pipe, but not nearly as close to the Delph. It was about three minutes' walk from it. The pipe protrudes over a kind of trough filled with water, and it's tucked away at the end of a footpath. Mr Burrows and I made the discovery. Drayton would have remembered that Fedder had said that there was another boy mixed up in this who went to the place and seemed to be the reason for Bobby going. Herbert told Drayton Thomas that he'd questioned a boy called Jack, who'd been a member of the gang that Bobby had joined, and said that the Delph was their area of play. Jack said that the gang 
members regularly played with water that came from the pipes. Jack told of how when there was heavy rain, water would gush out of the pipes. But when Herbert visited that summer, there was just a trickle of water that fell into the trough that was probably used as a drinking station for animals. Herbert wondered that as the water fell into a trough and the pools were used by wild birds and animals, could it be that the water was contaminated? Drayton Thomas was unable to locate a map of Nelson or a guidebook or a local directory and it was not until the sittings were over that the pipes were found and he was able to inspect the ordnance survey maps to discover where springs were indicated. There were no mention of any pipes. Drayton Thomas then requested the local medical officer of health, a Dr J Strachan Wilson, to visit the place and test the water. On February the 21st, 1937, Strachan Wilson sent a report on the springs at Marston Heights, which read as follows. The water in the pools, in both pools, is obviously liable to contamination from service water and is not fit for drinking purposes. Any person, child or adult, might develop a low or even acute infection from drinking such water. Drayton Thomas thought that Thomas had uh, Drayton Thomas thought that Bobby had tonsillitis, which turned into quinsy and then to a diphtheria, which eventually killed him. It was possible then that Bobby's death was caused directly or indirectly by him playing with this water, although he did not know for certain. Drayton Thomas thought that what made the incident really remarkable from the evidential point of view was that members of Bobby's family were entirely ignorant of the facts and that the only person acquainted with them, besides Bobby himself, was his companion Jack. Certainly a most unpromising and unlikely source of telepathic information on the subject. Yet the existence of this water was asserted and reasserted during a period of six months, and the pipes were finally discovered by our following up the clues given. For Drayton Thomas, this outcome was interesting and possibly unique as no one associated with the case had known of the existence of the pipes or their significance, so this seemed to rule out telepathy given the information. Herbert Hatch had always made it clear that he did not believe in spiritualism before Bobby's death, said that fraud was out of the question. The information came in such an abnormal way that it which he could not understand and he left it to the psychic researchers to explain. Drayton Thomas thought that the seances with Gladys Leonard gave the sort of evidence that would be expected from a young boy. The information related to his treasured possessions, his special interests in home or elsewhere, his games, the local gala, the annual fair with its swings and racing tracks. It was all things that a young boy would enjoy doing and it also included correct descriptions of streets and roads around his home, even mentioning the street, which may have been specifically familiar to him because the school was there, the Bentley Road. He, f- or Drayton Thomas felt that all the information from the seance rang true. This knowledge about the pipes, which proved to be accurate, could only not have come by telepathy from Bobby's home circle because no one was aware of the existence of the pipes. Members of the gang, on the other hand, would have no idea that Bobby hurt himself by playing with the water, nor the fact that I 
Drayton Thomas was seeking to obtain messages from him. There followed in the Society of Psychological Research proceedings several discussions about the psychology of the trance conditions regarding mediums, which is too tedious to try to untangle. In any way, it didn't come to any conclusion. But needless to say, not all psychic researchers agreed with Drayton Thomas and Herbert Hatch's conclusions. Dr. S.G. Soule, who was a mathematician and who was to become a president of the SPR in the future, so he was an influential figure, Soule's views were representative of other members of the SPR. He said, in the first place, there's no satisfactory demonstration that the pipes in question had anything to do with the boy's death, which is true. Moreover, such pipes, as Mr Thomas describes, are exceedingly common in hilly districts, and I feel confident that Mr Thomas applied Feather's vague descriptions to the case of another boy who had died from diphtheria in another district. His enthusiasm would have led him to invented in, in inevitably to the discovery of suspect pipes and possibly contaminated surface water into which such pipes usually drip. Which is a fair point. There were also suspicions that Mrs Leonard had been born in Lancashire and may have been fed informa inside information by Herbert Hatch who used Drayton Thomas to publicise the story that he had come up with. Looking to Herbert Hatch's past, it seems that he had been a writer of children's books and comics, and he had a pen name of Alan Tempest, which indicated that he may have had some kind of alter ego that liked to invent stories. Herbert Hatch had died in 1940, and those that knew him dismissed his theory. They knew him as old Herb, and they said that any invented story about spiritualism would have been totally out of character for him. And also Herbert's grief on losing Bobby was sincere. Bobby's mother's desire to try to communicate with him again was said to be evident from her floral tri tribute from her to her son at his funeral. On it she wrote, Love breaches the gulf, reunited with Bobby, from Gwen, Gwendolyn. Various researchers who investigated Gladys Leonard's mediumship from psychical reports, were not convinced that she had communicated with spirits. It was said that she knew some of her subjects before a seance. Others put down her abilities for cold reading of a person, looking for clues about them, and subject validation whereby a person is made to believe something similar to Water's suggestion. In 1934, Drayton Thomas made his notes on the Gladys Leonard seances available to Watley Carrington, who was an expert in telepathy. And he also used word association tests where someone is asked to give the first word that comes into their mind as a series of words is read to them. The more a word affects them emotionally, the longer it takes for a reply. In a seance setting, he put Fedder through the same tests and later Gladys. Carrington concluded that the results given by Fedder and Mrs. Leonard were neither what one would expect from testing two different people, or what would one would expect from testing the same person twice. Without going into any detail of the Carrington's studies, he concluded that Fedder was a secondary personality and not a spirit. Fedder was a dramatization 
of the medium's own subconscious. Drayton Thomas disagreed strongly with Carrington's conclusion that Fedder was not a spirit entity. However, Carrington's work was endorsed by later researchers who were later convinced. So, as I said, not a particularly scary story, this one for Halloween. But one to think about. And anyway, that's the last one for a few weeks from me for now. So, um, until mid-December, I'd like to say thank you for listening. Thank you for Damselfly for providing the background music. And until next time, I'll say goodbye. Goodbye.